I hear I see listeners. This is Justin. I'm recording a remote interview. I'm in Davenport right now in the Renwick mansion. This is my first time here. It's a big sort of uh, very tall ceilings, sort of a horror movie aesthetic. Everything's really dark, sort of a dark gray walls, lots of mirrors all over the place, a very old photograph on the old fireplace everything's old definitely ghosts in here but uh to get to the real important part i'm sitting here with uh the singer and what else do you do guitar player singer guitar player of divided heaven his name is jeff berman hello hi jeff hi is this your first time in Davenport? It is, yeah. Okay. It's my first time ever. Yeah. How are you liking the uh, Renwick Mansion? Well, this place is unique. Uh, it takes the idea of house show to a whole new level, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, it's a uh, bit of a... It's a house show, but it's like a really big house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a privately owned, publicly... <laughs> maintained. What's the word? I don't know. We were reading up about it. I don't know. I saw that... You probably know more than I do, then. <laughs> Uh, there's a band from Denver called In the Whale, mm-hmm. who are friends of ours, and I saw this place listed on one of their tour itineraries. They tour a lot, mm-hmm. so uh, as a student of the game, I just kind of follow what they're doing on their tours. And yeah, I saw this place that looked really peculiar. The show photos, you know, on Instagram looked really peculiar, and uh, they were nice enough to have us. So we'll see. Yeah, and. Uh... You're on tour right now. You're from L.A., right? Yes. Okay, so where have you been so far on this tour? Uh, This is the last week, so we've been pretty much everywhere that we're going to go. We've done a little bit of Canada, uh, the Northeast. So this is an international tour. Technically, yes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I love that you said that, because, yeah, we did a tour last year where we didn't do any Canada, but we played one show in Tijuana. Oh, nice, yeah. And we were just touting it as... So also an international tour. Massive North American (laughs) International Divided Heaven Summer Tour. World Tour. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, we've... uh, We kind of came through the Midwest. We kind of figurated ourselves um, in this part of the country, but now we're on our way west, just a few more days. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been on the road, then? Uh, almost five weeks. Okay. So, yeah, it's been a long one. Yeah, yeah. As you can hear. <laughs> yeah. The you guys team. play in, like, every night, or... No how? days off. No days off for No five days weeks. off. <laughs> yeah. We, um... I don't like having days off on tour. I don't yeah. know what it is. It's, uh... The older I get, the more inclined I am to... A, be up to the challenge of trying to fill in a day off with a new market that might be a little weird, mm-hmm. a la the Renwick Mansion in Davenport. Sure. Uh, not that Davenport is a weird market by any stretch, but it's just new to us. Right, this is a new experience And this venue uh, is, is a new experience for us, for sure. And B, um, you know, when we have a fourth person with us now, but typically we're a three-piece, and with... Downtime tends to come a little bit too of too much introspection, and uh, you know if in our experience, if we keep the the wheels figuratively and literally uh, greased, sure, uh, proverbially psychologically greased, <laughs> yeah. then they're less inclined to uh, proverbially proverbially figuratively and literally fall off. So, which is a nice roundabout way of saying that. 
we don't do well with downtime. Uh-huh. If we have a day off, you get distracted, or you, yeah, it's just like the momentum uh, dies out. Sometimes the momentum dies. Sometimes uh, I just get a little bit too much into my own head, and then I start thinking about other, you know, upcoming tours and uh, playing every day. You know, we're we we don't like to throw the term around, but we're a working class indie rock man that's what we are mm-hmm. you know we're on labels but they're small labels we work sometimes with agents and talent buyers but it's small time so we can't afford to just be you know in Dubuque on a day off sure. at a hotel like a, a tour just... isn't like a vacation for no, you this no. is your job yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so we don't we don't tour with bands that treat it like that and we don't have people in our band that treat it like that we look at it as enjoyable work but it's it's work nonetheless mm-hmm. so when we're not home we want to tour and work every day mm-hmm. yeah and how long have you been a touring musician i started playing in bands when i was 13 mm-hmm. but really didn't do a tour until i was 17 okay we're still pretty young <laughs> yeah so the first First tour I did was so twenty years to answer your question because the first tour I did was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, wow. and I was seventeen, and my band at the time called the Statics with a K, just so stupid. <laughs> um, but we we went out to California from Pennsylvania, and, oh, and wow, we were like, yeah, it's a long trip. We were way. I was so naive and so in over my head. I mean, I think were I were you all like around that age. I was the baby of the band, uh-huh. so. Uh, I think the singer was also under 21. He might have been 19 or 20. And then the two others were, you know, 22 or 23. So yeah. we were we were babies, but uh you know, it was it was a unique experience for sure. Uh but I got a taste of it. So, you know, I always kind of tried to do a little bit more touring every summer. And uh yeah, so 20 years. And you've been doing it pretty regularly, like every summer. I took almost. a few years off from yeah. actual touring. You know, I just had career-type jobs, you know, job jobs yeah. for a while. But since uh, 2012, so for the past seven years, I've been touring. That's kind of my main thing, either touring solo or touring uh, with a band. And, uh, yeah, just keeping it going. Yeah, so how long has Divided Heaven been around? It started as a solo endeavor in 2007. Okay. When I was living in New York City. And then my buddy was kind of playing, you know, backup acoustic guitar with me. And we did kind of a little duet thing. And then I really didn't like it. So I put it on hold. I moved to Los Angeles. And I restarted it again in 2009. So, you know, for the... EST period 2000 whatever you know yeah. was, we claim 2009 as our our so you're birth kind of, stamp yeah that's when it was rebirth yeah like we were conceived in 2007 but <laughs> yeah. we were born in 2000 it was a long gestation <laughs> process right right yeah yeah uh, but really the carnation that it is now um, has been since 2014 and uh kind of long uh, a lighter capacity but we've been really touring a lot as a full band for 2017 2018 2019 okay so you picked it up a lot in the yeah. last couple of years yeah. yeah and you're usually a three piece yeah that's what you every once really... in a while a four piece uh-huh. yeah 
but yeah, mm-hmm. three piece on the road, mm-hmm. pretty much exclusively. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I confess I'm not super familiar with your music, That's but okay. I did listen to Cold War mm-hmm. yesterday, just so I wasn't going in completely dark. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, how would you classify your music? What do you call it? There's a couple of different ways you can go. Um, it's an interesting question because it's a difficult one to answer. Yeah, I hate answering a question like that, but I have to ask it. <laughs> we are... I, I think for Nick and I, at least, you know, we're punk rockers. We're punks. Mm-hmm. I still, even though I don't have a mohawk, like, I, I'm still that, that guy. I'm still that kid. So at certain moments, it feels right to say we're a punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're a punk band that your mother would like. <laughs> at the same time, we also don't really fit the idea of what a punk band is in 2019 either. So Okay, so what is a punk band in 2019? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, no, I, and I mean that uh, uh, seriously. You yeah. know, we... Um, it's almost easier to say what we're what we're not. Um, pardon his recent transgression into illegal and just fucked up activity. You know, like we for the past two records, we kind of used like the Ryan Adams or the Ryan Adams and the Cardinals kind of vibe mm-hmm. as kind of our north star for what to do. And, and we worked with the same producer that he was working with, our buddy Charlie. And so that was kind of what we tried to create for. Cold War for the record and we tried to kind of translate that into having a set list that is a little bit Ryan Adams or Jason Isbell but also a little bit Bouncing Souls and maybe like a little bit uh, you know kind of like delicate style replacements ballads type thing sure. and, and uh, yeah, yeah, we wanted to be a band that like that challenged the notion of of what a rock band could be. You know, to my dad, we're a rock band. Sure. But when... To put it simply. To put it simply. But if you were to say, are you a a rock band? When I think of rock bands in 2019, I think of bands that are still stuck on, you know, ReverbNation.com that aren't going anywhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it has that that stink to it, that stigma to it. Indie rock is kind of a little... A little... Now, new indie rock is a little too nuanced and a little too kind of lo-fied for what we are so i i feel like if we were in the 80s we'd be you know we'd be kind of lumped in with like you know the rems of the time or the replacements of the time but now because everything is so much more uh, uh, uh you know kind of decentralized and put into yes, all yeah. these subgenres. yeah um, this is the longest answer to uh, <laughs> the question that you've probably ever uh, have ever heard because I'm rambling. No, it's but good. fuck I it. Mean, yeah, I, I don't really know, man. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think, think we're an indie rock band that uh, that's played by punk rockers. Okay. Or your parents' new favorite rock band. That's how the <laughs> demographics are skewing. So that's okay, what I'll well, say. That's, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say it's like it's hard to. Unless you're, like, very intentionally meaning to fit into a certain kind of label, with it being so atomized and there being, like, so many different, like, subcultures and everything, yeah. uh, it is hard to really, I guess, define what you're making at this point in, like, our culture, you know? Like, it's not like... 
probably like when you started out like 20 years ago, there was a little bit more of like a mainstream. Right. You know, like everybody was, even if they were reacting against mainstream culture, everyone was aware of like one set of things that is like, this is what our pop culture is generally. Right. This is what everyone has a common experience with. But now it's like, you can just go your whole life without like hearing any music that anyone else listened to, (laughs) you know, like you can, you can just find your own stuff and dive completely into that and never experience like pop radio. Yeah, I I think that's true. And I think every band, whether they want to admit it or not, kind of has a little bit of a guideline roadmap laid out for them that is in the form of a mainstream band that has had success. Sure. So, um, if they want to also achieve, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or or even you know, even like how old are you? I'm. Uh, I just turned twenty nine. You're twenty nine. Okay, I'm thirty seven. So, when Green Day broke for me, you were entering kindergarten, but I was, <laughs> I was very young. Yeah. yeah, and obviously nobody's holding that against you for being you know so young. But I looked at that and I thought. If that's achievable for what they sound like, then mm-hmm. it's achievable for what I sound like. So if I'm in a band, you know, for the longest time I was in a street punk band that, you know, and we're watching the casualties become popular. Yeah. It's not like they're Green Day size, but they're popular. Yeah, yeah. They're still going. They've had legs for, you know, 25 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can be kind of a North Star to follow for people or, um, you know, there's a lot of bands that in that kind of fest bearded punk world you know that are just like Dillinger for carbon copies or hot water music carbon copies and and so my goal with Divided Heaven was to not copy one band but multiple <laughs> right. bands you're not so, just emulating one person yeah several. <laughs> yeah exactly but it's also well, that's kind of how music works yeah know, and it's like, in the eye of the beholder too yeah, like yeah. we um, we we uh, got a really nice like show write-up photo journalism thing from our show the other night and they called us pop punk and said something about pop punk anthems and I'm like where the fuck are you getting that <laughs> but if that's how he hears it mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to be upset if if someone hear, you know, hears us and, and makes a I don't know a Blink-182 comparison or an all-time locum I don't hear it but that's the beauty of music yeah. You know, so I mean, you both have guitars and <laughs> both three pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say you're completely divorced from that kind of sound. No, yeah. no, it's not. You know, like someone's claiming we sound like Yo Yo Ma or Carlos Santana or anything, but another guitar. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a guitar. There's a six string instrument, so it's it's there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people are kind of struggling with that too. We, I seem to. To it's lazy as as a uh, as a showgoer as a music uh, consumer. When you hear a band, you could be like, "Oh, that this band just sounds like Joyce Manor." Or this band is like they sound just like Teenage Bottle Rocket or Anti Flag or whatever. Um, but I find that if if I find myself thinking that, um, then I'm probably on to something, you know. And I think. Cold War represents us in a good way as a band. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my own fucking record. But yeah, I'm glad you like it. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, if you put on Home for the Summer in 1983, um, that's going to send you down a certain path of scent. Uh, and then when Dance with Old Habits comes on, you're probably going to, it's going to throw you off that scent into something new. And, and that's always kind of been the goal to make it diverse enough that it's interesting yet not so diverse that it collapses under the weight of not making any cohesive sense. Sure. You want it to be like one item, but yeah. also not just a, uh, monotonous kind of item. Right. 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 Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you've lived in Pennsylvania, New York and LA. I think those are the three you mentioned. Yeah. So have you moved a lot over the years? Not, not at some, I mean, I've moved a lot in terms of apartments. Oh. Yes. Where you go, man? Where you go? Um, but yeah, I was born in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm shamelessly wearing my hometown T-shirt. Oh, nice. And uh, is that Lancaster? Lancaster. Okay, yeah. Cool. Lancaster. That's the correct way to say that. It's Lancaster if it's California. Okay. It's Lancaster if it's Pennsylvania. Okay. okay. But it doesn't fucking matter. It's all the same. <laughs> um, but. I was born and raised there. I left at 18. I went to college in Washington, D.C., which was uh, four and a half years. Don't hold that against me. It should have been four, but it was four and a half. And then I went to New York for four years, and then I've been in Los Angeles for 12. Okay. So, not a ton, but But, very different places from each other. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've lived in Iowa for almost my whole life. Oh, wow. (laughs) I've experienced many uh, fewer cities than you. Um, so of, of those, obviously, I mean, you have stayed in LA the longest, so I imagine LA is your favorite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you were only in New York for four. What did you, how did you feel about New York? It was, it was an education. I mean, it was a great experience and a terrible experience simultaneously, (laughs) but it was really an education. You know, I joke with people that. You know, I went to D.C. for my, you know, bachelor's degree in journalism and communications. And then I went to New York for a master's degree in life experiences. I mean, it was it was a very rich experience, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. uh, And I was just, you know, selling cheese and waiting tables and catering and um, a little bit of volunteering and just kind of trying to do interesting stuff, a little bit of music, but... A lot of what I wrote about on Cold War is can be kind of connected to that time because I wanted to feel like my time spent living in New York meant something. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that a city is an inanimate thing. It's not a human. It's not... You know, we we give it these these descriptions, these poetic descriptions of how it breathes and it lives and mm-hmm. it, it provides this safe haven for us. But the reality is, as a collective, um, and every city is like this. It's just in a different entity. It doesn't yeah. care whether you live or die. Right. It, you know, it, it doesn't. So yeah, obviously, I mean, yeah. a lot of people die in New York. And yeah, <laughs> it doesn't um, seem to do much about it. But I just I. I um, I can't talk about my time in New York without thinking about my time spent in Los Angeles thinking about my time in New York because <laughs> right. it's all it's kind of... a level of abstraction. Yeah, it's yeah. all kind of connected and it becomes a little meta in my mind. Mm-hmm. 
but a good source for songwriting inspiration because mm-hmm. it's it's um you know I think maybe you'll discover this I don't want to be presumptuous but when you're in your 30s and you think back about how you were in your 20s and aspects of your life and and your experiences in your 20s um that meant the world to you don't mean the same necessarily in your 30s or uh that didn't mean shit to you when you were younger that now you look back and you realize how valuable they were um and i just tend to think geographically mm-hmm. so if i think about something like that that happened to me i think about it happening in the within the backdrop and the landscape of wherever i was living at the time and uh, i don't know that's 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 kind of been what i've that was that was what birthed the idea of of cold war and that sure and the, trying to connect with this you know this entity yeah. this, this city this so where the time. where did cold war the title come from two it came from two things uh-huh. um the first is that divided heaven is the name of a book that was written in germany hmm. uh it's a secular book a secular film secular band uh and it was written about a young couple in love as the berlin wall was being erected and one wanted to go to the east one wanted to go to the west and this kind of idea of this um and berlin is a special place to me because i lived there for a little bit when i was in school okay and it was the theater the world's theater of how the cold world the cold war excuse me played out yeah so with that, uh, I wanted to kind of tie that in. The other reason was I was going through a lot of mental anguish and anxiety, panic, depression, um, and working through it. And my experience as a mental health advocate and consumer and a mental health uh, victim is that it, that's what it feels like. It feels like this weird, spiteful peace with yourself, where like you're never really good with yourself, but uh, you know you're not physically harming yourself. It's, it's, right. It's, it's this. It's not an open hostility. Exactly. But it's, uh, it's, under the surface tension. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a tension that just is always there, mm-hmm. and on the bad days it comes out, and on the good days it's just suppressed. Suppressed. And, and uh, I just I tried to capture that through the through the songs, of course. But uh, I mean, naming a record is hard. Yeah, if you really so, care about it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, like I said before, we try to add a a breadth a breadth a width of a diverse group of songs that collectively make an album the cohesive being that it is when they sound as different as our songs do, then trying to come up with a record title is that much mm-hmm. harder. Yeah. You when know? you're expressing yeah. so many different emotions. And yeah. Topics. Yeah. 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 Um, so we were talking about the cold war. That may, that's a good enough segue into politics, I guess. Uh, <laughs> before we started recording, you noticed I had a Bernie button on my yeah, backpack man. and you wanted to talk about that. So, uh, you have an opinion on Bernie Sanders? I mean, I feel the burn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we're 
we're a political band because I'm the fucking songwriter and I'm a really political person. Mm-hmm. And I give a shit. So for me, everything's political. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you want to get Papa John's? Like, you're making a statement whether you like it or not, you know? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, yeah. It's not just pizza. No, no. Um, I'm largely the same way, you know? Yeah. People say they're not into politics, but I mean, every decision you make has some sort of consequence or impact somewhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, again, I, I don't mean to date you because I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be that guy but if I was living in Washington at age 19 when 9-11 happened and you were living in Iowa at age 8 or 9 it was my 11th birthday actually oh 11th why am I so bad at math anyway (laughs) um, but uh, god I'm terrible at math yeah anyway but my, my point is that um, that changed everything uh-huh. because everything therefore inherently became with you or against you I'm against you so I remember the Bush fight I remember protesting in New York and Washington and going all over to protest leading up to the invasion of Iraq and, yeah. and that was important to me mm-hmm. so you know I like to listen to you know all kinds of music and I like to listen to music that is apolitical and and that's all well and good I like to listen to music that's just about you know shouting at the devil and girls 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 and all that shit too and and, uh but when it comes to the shit that I'm gonna write about that's what makes me who I am it's it's some sort of uh it's social consciousness yeah it's like at this point it's it's part of my DNA so I can't I can't easily just flip that switch and become apolitical. If it's like a love song or something, it's a little bit different. But um, yeah, fuck for- it. You know, it's just like we had to. And then, like in the era of Trump, like I just I get sickened by seeing all these bands that I've have loved for so long, and they put out these records where like I can just tell they're playing it safe. And I'm like, oh sure, fucking pussies. <laughs> just like have a say something. Yeah, just like. You know, whatever. Like we've done uh, in the past few years, we've done two charity singles where we've raised maybe two thousand dollars. It's nothing, mm-hmm. but we but did something. one. We did one to give money to the White Helmets, the group of people in Syria that are offering humanitarian aid yeah. in whatever. Um, but we did it. We launched it on Inauguration Day mm-hmm. as our way of trying to reground ourselves into this fucking weird alternate reality that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And then we just did one where we're, we. Gave money to the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Um, so there's a big homeless population issue, problem in L.A. Yeah. And a lot of that stems from runaway youth who are yeah, yeah, yeah. in L.A. on the street because, you know, they grow up in these Christian conservative households. And they so we and see they... the connection. And, and it's impossible for me not to want to fight that shit. It's impossible mm-hmm. for me to look at people who are not... Um, you know, I'm. This is a podcast, but I'm a straight, white, uh, male, mm-hmm. and uh, I work hard to understand that the privileges that that I have because of that are better spent trying to help people who are not like me, right? Than to just fucking play it safe and like turn a blind eye. And, and with everything that's happening under Trump, um, you know. 
I'm out for fucking blood. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't just want Bernie to win. I want him to fucking trounce. You yeah, know, yeah, I want to see yeah. him do really well. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to see a cultural shift from what we have. And, uh, so that's when I, when I see Bernie stuff, I, I get excited because I think that he's, he's the most in line with his fire and my fire of the same brand more than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I find that his supporters and myself are of the same ilk more than other people. Yeah. The yeah. way that I see it, like what, what separates Bernie from the rest of the people who want to be president is a focus on like a mass movement of people. Mm-hmm. Like the change. Hey, that's it. I don't want to interrupt you guys. That's no, right. You're good. How, how many? How many are with you guys? There's four of us total. There's four. Of you uh, there's three in the band, and then our buddy Paul, the guy with the glasses that always looks confused, he's just traveling with us. Yeah. <laughs> but he's gonna help run the door tonight, and he sells merch for us and stuff. But yeah, cool. Oh, we awesome. got some drink tickets. And then on top of that, if you guys want, like, I got Heinekens and Bush Lights. If you guys want to drink those, then yeah, thanks. Yeah. Night. But otherwise, yeah, that, those are good for whatever. So thanks, man. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate cool. it. No, we appreciate you guys coming out. So. There's a light switch in here. Oh, yeah? 1977, <laughs> Just he's constantly hammering on this idea that like actually changing society to prioritize like basic needs for people. Yeah. Just like make this like a, an organized thing that helps people be at a certain base level. Yeah. The only way we're gonna actually do that is by having just like millions of people just like fighting all the time for it. Yeah. It's not gonna happen through just like passing laws because the people who hold the power now and like have all of the they're pulling all the levers of the like the machine of government they all have incentives to keep the status quo where we're at now right because it just funnels up everything to them so the only way to actually fix it is basically mass revolt i mean he puts it a little more softly than that yeah you know yeah and it's not it's not politically savvy of him to say it sometimes the way that he does which i think uh you know, frightens people and, and, uh, frightens not the right word, but it, it, it turns them off to mm-hmm. the, uh, the idea of him as a presidential figure. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like, I just, I say, fuck that. Right. A lot of people, like, they, f- they feel like they're too serious or something like that, I yeah. guess. Like, or like the electability. Or, this is just how it works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, accepting I mean I, I just I don't know I'm it, new record and tour notwithstanding as somebody who is passionate about helping other people and uh, politically passionate and also somebody in a position that just gets to travel around the country for right. you know four months out of the year pretty much um I, on one hand, I'm like, I'm really optimistic about people, but I'm terribly pessimistic about their politics. And 
I think that, uh, you know, without making this a Bernie commercial, but I, I think that he's the <laughs> one that can bridge that gap better than anybody else. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be some fucking moderate pussy. Sorry to use such a derogatory term, but like some moderate wimp or some mm-hmm. play it safe jabroni. Like, you know, you put him on national television with Donald Trump, not only do I think he would fucking tear him apart, I think he could look the American people in the eye and explain how when people call him a socialist, they're misinformed. And here's me informing you about who I am and what I believe as a democratic socialist. And I think he could drive that message home and just n- nullify the the argument. There's always going to be people that are going to say what they want to say and yeah. tout these falsehoods about it. But I think that he... He can cut through the cacophony of yeah. Trump, well, on with one hand and at the same time, just <laughs> his fucking neck and just take it out. <laughs> yeah, but. I think that um, if if the word socialism was as much of a like off the table thing, like he wouldn't have gone anywhere in 2016. Yeah, it would have just been like a dead campaign entirely. But it's clear like people aren't just hearing the word socialism and immediately running away. Because he got he won a lot. In he the did, yeah. yeah. And and he's um, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, hopefully. And I think Warren is too. Yeah. So you know, if they can find a way to coexist, then we'll see. But uh, but yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to get into the weeds about the uh, political process. But what is it like for you as an Iowan who gives a shit, who has like the most antiquated ass backwards? caucus system like in the whole fucking <laughs> you know country that, huh? and you're first you're <laughs> yeah, first yeah. on you know you're you bat lead off in this whole process mm-hmm. and you know all these jabronis from washington and new york and los angeles that come here every four years and you know probably tip you poorly and walk on your lawns and you know, treat the locals <laughs> like shit yeah like they're just they're just sniffing for the biggest pile of you know they're, they're just sniffing for the biggest story but like yeah, as an iowan like how is how do you how do you see that process play out where if the rest of the country is f- so fixated on you, what is the other side of the mirror like? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've been doing some volunteering for the Bernie campaign. So the way that I try to like frame this for people is like, um, it's really annoying that they're just like constantly all of these presidential candidates holding events, like filling up the coffee shop or whatever, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> they create a lot of traffic and I mean most people don't want to like see them it's not that important to them they'll vote maybe but they don't need to like be seeing you in person all the time mm-hmm. so a lot of people see it as basically just a nuisance um, and the caucus system is yes very anti uh, it suppresses turnout because it's such an annoying complicated way of voting yeah you have to actually show up to a place at a certain time. You have to stay there for at least like two or three hours, and everyone sees who you're voting for. There's, no, <laughs> you can't like if you're worried about any sort of backlash, like you're in a room with all of your neighbors and they see who you're voting for. <laughs> right? Don't you go stand in a corner of a room or something? Yeah, you. Oh depending God. on which candidate you support, they all take up you know a certain segment of a room. Yeah. And yeah, it's all the people you live around. You all see each other. So if there's any sort of like social awkwardness about uh, which candidate you're supporting, like 
it's gonna make you a little bit hesitant to actually go do it. Yeah, yeah. So the way that I talk to people about it, I'm like, I know this is stupid, I know it's annoying, but we, like, if you feel strongly about any of these issues, you have, like, a totally undeserved vote in this like your your vote matters more than almost everyone else in the country <laughs> yeah so, so if you can just give up like a few hours of feeling uncomfortable if you feel strongly about this like you can tip the scales your way and that'll have like huge consequences for the entire year for the whole race <laughs> yeah i my guess is you probably want to 86 the electoral college oh yeah yeah me too <laughs> i would settle out of court for a one person, one vote across the board primary. Yeah. On both sides. Like it all just happens like, simultaneously? No, not even. I mean, it could still be broken up by, um, you know, you could do like, the schedule could be whatever. But Iowa, it's not. Iowa could still be first if y'all are like. <laughs> That's very believe, important to yes, You know, because it's important to your economy at this point. You know, like yeah, I, I get yeah. that. I just think that. Uh, you know, everybody who wants to vote in a primary should be able to vote in a primary, and it shouldn't be <clears throat> it shouldn't be a point based system. It shouldn't be a delegate versus super delegate yeah. based. Well, the point based system is just like people. Yeah, the people who voted. <laughs> yeah, it's not all about like playing these weird math games. It's way too yeah. convoluted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it should just be one person, one vote. I mean, I agree. It should be like that for. You know the general election as well, yeah, of course. But I think that'll be a lot harder to change. I think um, both sides are kind of equally fed up with uh, the the primary system and uh, how antiquated it is. But mm-hmm. yeah, but that's interesting. As an Iowan, yeah, I've never mm-hmm. I've never spoken to an Iowan about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you actually played in Iowa before now? We played in Iowa City last year. Okay, that's where at, I live, yeah. At, what's that main venue? I think it's with an M. Uh, can you describe it physically? <laughs> uh, there's Gabe's. There's, Gabe's, yeah, we yeah, played Gabe's. Yeah, we played downstairs. Most Gabe's, people yeah. Know, yeah. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, every band I've ever been in, we just kind of traipse through. and. Uh, so this is only your second time playing in Iowa? This is only my second time ever okay. playing in okay. Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Maybe only my third time here ever. So mm-hmm. yeah. you should try Des Moines at some point. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to. We'd love yeah. to. Yeah, next year. <laughs> next year. Um, so you tonight, uh, Plunkett is one of the opening bands. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know Tim before you were putting the show together? Yeah, we met. Okay. Uh, we played together last summer in Iowa City. Okay, awesome. We just stayed in touch. Yeah, yeah that's great. Good dude. Good band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim is good. Um, he. Again, he's in the band Plunkett. He also does a podcast thing called Speaking of Nothing, which I'll be honest, I haven't listened to, but... You know, I think I'm going to talk to him as I'll soon as we're it. done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, this is the last week of your tour, right? Yeah. Where are you going to be after this? Lincoln, Denver, Rock Springs, Wyoming, and Las Vegas. And then we have a show uh, a few days after we get home in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Nice. And then the tour is... It's mm-hmm. done. Have you played in Lincoln before? Never. Okay. Never even been. Okay. So yeah. I lived there for a few years when I was a kid. Oh yeah. So I have very like foggy, nostalgic memories of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It, this tour has been the tour of a lot of new markets. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln, Nebraska, the Quad Cities, 
New Haven, Connecticut, Wildwood, oh, yeah. New Jersey. Um, Detroit, Michigan um, was something somewhere we had never done before. Kansas City. I played a work tour date there years oh, awesome. ago, and yeah. I never went back. And finally went back and realized why maybe we shouldn't have never gone there in the first place. So, <laughs> you didn't have yeah. a good time in Kansas City. No, it was okay. It was okay. That's a whole other mess of yeah. situation. But no, it was cool. It's been a good tour. Yeah. yeah. So while we're naming all these uh, places, where's a place you've never played that you would like to play? Mexico City. Mm-hmm. You did Tijuana. You did so Tijuana, you've been to Mexico. which is like, yeah. <laughs> I would like to do a proper... Uh, you know, like a proper week-long tour of Mexico. I'd like mm-hmm. to do a proper 10-day thing across Canada. I think that would be cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why I'm thinking, like, Mexico City, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, maybe. Never been to Australia. I'd mm-hmm. love to do that. Um, but, yeah, nowhere really in the States. I've hit everywhere. Nice. It'd be nice to check off all 50 states. Okay, which ones are you missing? Um, I've been to all 48. Like, just been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Continental. Right. There are US. 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all 48 on the continents. Mm-hmm. Um, but, let's see. You know, we've never, we've never played Maine or Vermont. Mm. Um, South Dakota and Montana have always been elusive. I've heard that Missoula, Montana has a music scene. It does, but, for yeah, sure. And our old bass player was from there, and, oh, awesome. and we were going to try to make it work before he he left the band. It just the timing didn't work. So I'm sure it'll happen at, at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, for Hawaii, that might be happening by the end of the year just for a solo tour. But Alaska, I have no clue. So <laughs> if you have any listeners in Alaska, then yeah, please be in touch. Anyone Let's with Alaska connections. Figure something out. Help out, Jeff. Get a yeah. show up there. Have you been to Alaska? No. I haven't either. I'd like to, but I mean, it's a big commitment. <laughs> it is. It's far. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, it's very far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably a good point to wrap it cool. up. Cool. Huh? Yeah, man. All thanks right. for having me. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. That was fun. Yeah. It's nice getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Cheers. All right, well, have a good rest of your tour. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Bye. Yeah. Let all my team